Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's See what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome, Susan. Good evening and welcome, everyone. This is Sarah Ellen. Um, just waiting for Susan to ring up and join us here. But, ah, oh, there we go. I see her hand. Let's let her in. Oh. Hi, Susan. Hey, I forgot to push one. Silly me. <laughs> How are you? Can't she hear me? 
you didn't push one. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I, like all the rest of you, must push one in order to be seen. So do it. <laughs> uh, I am in the midst of saying goodbye to Justine and Monica Jean. Hello, hello. Goodbye, goodbye. Oh, hello, goodbye. Hello. And they are on their way back to Costa Rica in a few hours, having uh, graced me once again. And, of course, uh, Justine and I always like to have something to keep us occupied. So over the past two weeks, we have created a new video course on post-viral syndrome herbs, those with post-viral syndromes, most notably long COVID, but that's also chronic fatigue and um, a host of other things. So we're very, we finished all the filming, and... Now it has to be, you know, tidied up and put in order and made, have its bow tied on its uh, top and made ready for the public, which might take mm, as much as a month or so, but soon we'll be telling you ta-ta-ta-ta. Meanwhile, uh, 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 two weeks to the Hypericum Conference. I know, it is really coming fast now. Uh, 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 all of those things you were thinking you were going to do before the Hypericum Conference, this is it. Do it. People are getting in touch with me. Is is it too late? No, it's not too late. You want to get your short in, get your short in. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. Make the first thing you wake up tomorrow, do it. Before you sleep tonight, do it. And send it to us. We want your short. Yes. 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 And there's lots of links in the email today. So if you're looking for anything for the conference, from the T-shirt to conference details, it's in the e-zine today. So if you're subscribed to that, that's an easy way to get there. Tomorrow I'm driving to Woodstock to pick up the shirts. Oh, they are beautiful in the pictures. I'm so excited that Durga is so gracious to allow us to use her art to make these wonderful, wonderful shirts. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're striking. I have to tell you, do you know, I saw, I, I had the television on in my kitchen with no sound, and out of the corner of my eye, I looked up just in time to see the Comfrey shirt on TV. What? Yes, there was a person wearing it. And so I immediately was like, who is this person? Because oh my gosh. it could only be a handful of people because there's not that many shirts. And what? it was Lucretia Jones wearing the country <gasps> shirt. <laughs> so you never know what can happen when you're wearing your shirt. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen when you wear your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, fun. Yes. Well, there's a big bouquet of daffodils in my room. 
bouquet from the first the first of the blooms to come, which are the ones that are nearest to the house and the ones that have been in the longest time. And uh, just seems like everywhere, because it was such a mild winter, that the, that the daffodils are in, really, in their dancing multitudes. Daffodilicious out there. Oh, I have not... <laughs> We have so many stars of the daffodils and the tulips, but not a whole lot of flowers yet. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After, after today, though, we got into the mid-70s, so I wouldn't be surprised if I see a lot happening tomorrow. A lot of the flowering trees have either burst into flower today or in bud, and I'm going to them, wait, oh, wait, wait, it's only, it's only, hey, April, but... You know what mm. can you say? They're responding to the the warmth and uh, me too. I've been just basking in it like oh yes, like a like a a turtle. <laughs> it feels good. It does feel good. I cleaned stalls today and got really hot and it felt good. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had great work weekend. We cleared some stalls. We raked some leaves. We <clears throat> we saw a great display. And maybe if somebody knows what it is, they can share with me. There was a bird with a large wingspan that came to light in a tall tree. And it began to spread its wings out and then bring them in. And the sun was behind it so it looked dark it looked black because you couldn't really see it except as a silhouette and it would every minute or two stretch out its wings and I could see that the inside of its wings were kind of like oh beautiful kind of auburn russet getting into a cream color as they moved down really pretty and big wings and um, square tails I'm pretty sure it was a red winged hawk and after watching a while, another one comes and lights in another tree, slightly lower down. It's like a, a steep slope. And at this, the first one extends their wings and keeps them extended and starts to kind of slowly move around, almost like a runway model, you know, going, check it out, look at my wings, aren't they beautiful? And the other one that's in the downslope tree unfurls their wings now and then, but brings them back in. This also goes on for seemingly, you know, forever, my delight. And then on some impulse, they rise up together out of the tree, circle, right, circle the thermal, rising up the thermal over me, over the field, and then swirl away from it and go out over the mesa. You remember the mesa? And mm-hmm. spiral up over the mesa in a way. So, so mm-hmm. wonderful, you know. Nature is always willing to offer her miracles up to us. What a treat. What a blessing. Was that in the middle you know, of the day? I also, felt, I also felt the same awe when I saw the praying mantis egg sacs in the twigs the other day. Oh, wow. Good eye. 
It's <laughs> just so nice to know that I share the world with all of this life. Oh, indeed. Indeed. So what's been going on at your place? Oh, uh well, just shifting the barn into summer mode and doing the clearing that goes along with that. Still planting. Um, tending to a barn kitty who's not doing too good. He's real old oh. and um, been oh. under the weather. Yeah, mm. just yeah. Uh, doing homesteading stuff for the most part. Um, and the mm. days are already seeming like they are flying by. Staying lighter longer, but not enough time in the day to get it done. <laughs> you, yes, there is never enough time to get it done, is there? Just no. never, ever enough time. One of the things that we notice every spring is when the rumen flora of the goats changes. And if nobody's ever told you about it, you may be wrinkling your brow, but once you think about it, it's perfectly obvious. During the winter time, the ruminants have to browse on dead grasses and leafless twigs, basically. Mm-hmm. So they need a gut flora <clears throat> that can take down those kinds of cellular structures. And not just a gut flora, but specifically in their rumen. And they're not going to switch out to the flora that takes care of leaves and grass until they're sure that they can get it. But once they are sure of that, it's hard to get them to go back to the winter mode because their whole inner environment has switched over from their winter mode to the summer mode. Wow. Interesting. I know ours are looking everywhere for all of the new green stuff. Like they just, it doesn't matter how much green is in front of them. If they see something new and green, they're like, yes, I want to try that too right yes, now. Yes, yes. We had a very interesting guest tonight named Amber Gray, an author, spiritual medium, and a soul gardener. She has presented for Edgar Casey's A.R.E. in Virginia Beach Afterlife Conferences, and she'll be teaching at Omega this coming June. She developed the Divine Spark Cards for Developing Mediums, and she'll be right here at 9 o'clock East Coast time, so hang out with us until then. Or come back so that you can hear what Amber Gray has to say about soul gardening. Anything else, Sarah Ellen, or should we jump into the questions? Yeah, let's go. 
Okay. I, I see well, a hand. We're saying, yes, and I'm saying goodbye. Oh, beautiful hug with my daughter. I love you, Justine. I love you, too. I love you very much. <laughs> so good creating a new course with you. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait to get it published. Uh-huh. Love you, Monica love Jean. You. Oh, you're so tall. Oh, my gosh. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Safe travels, my loves. Okay, so there's a hand raised. Let's have their question. All right. Yes, there are two hands raised. You're taking all those pops back down to the house for me. All right, everyone, let's do a question for Susan this evening. Please press 1 so that we can see your hand in the queue. And we will go to our first caller who is dialed in from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. I was loving the imagery about the large bird that was almost blocking the sun and everything looked dark for a minute. I have a bird like that in my backyard. <laughs> it's gigantic. Right it could be a falcon. I don't know. Falcons are small. Oh, really? Falcons are small. Yeah, these are big birds, and the hawks around here are pretty big, especially the red-tailed hawks. I live in Orange County and on Greenwood Lake, and there's a bald eagle that's been around the last few years. Yep. I was going to say, and we should never rule out that we could be seeing eagles, but I don't think so because usually I can think, like, sit in a certain way. <laughs> <laughs> but when you really do see one, it's unforgettable, especially in your backyard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We've had immature eagles come to fish in our pond. Oh, wow. Mm. How are you this evening? I'm having such weird symptoms that... <laughs> are really funny to describe, but um, basically my my hands are going numb and tingly, and um, that really freaked me out and scared the crap out of me a couple of weeks ago. And then I, it started to resolve a little because I started treating it like carpal tunnel, so uh-huh. I was not even using the, com- the computer as much, so that made me feel better. And then I got the same symptoms in my feet, and what's totally bizarre is that my hands got better, my, and then my feet started up. But what happened in my hands was that my ring finger and pinky finger go numb at certain times. It's on and off. And the same thing happened in my feet. So it's like ring, toe, and pinky toe going numb on and off. It's not something that happens all the time, like it fades in and fades out. Mm-hmm. 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 So peripheral is fingers and toes, right? Yes. And neuro is nerves, and neuropathy is malfunction of. Peripheral neuropathy is one way to talk about what's happening. Yeah, and and that is a giant. What causes that? There's a variety of things that can cause that. Um. It can be caused, I have some peripheral neuropathy in the fingers 
of the arm where they put all the lines during my surgery. Oh, wow. And I exercise that hand and keep um, good blood flow and do Tai Chi and Qigong specifically to keep the energy moving out to my periphery. Mm -hmm. Diabetes can cause peripheral neuropathy, right, as the amount of sugar rises in the blood, type 2 diabetes, the smaller capillaries don't work well. They get kind of sugared up. So if you haven't had anybody check to see what your blood sugar status is, that's a possibility if you're getting numbness and tingling that comes and goes. So my blood direct, sugar is okay. I direct, got it checked recently. Direct impairment on the nerve. A chiropractor would say, excuse me, direct impairment of the nerve. What if, you know, there's a subluxation? What if one of the vertebrae is out? And it, that's kind of a classic comes and goes kind of thing. Because as you move your body and sit and stand in different ways, it impinges differently on your nerves. Yeah, subluxation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so hoping you were going to say that and not MS, which I'm terrified of. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't really? think so. Usually, what I've heard from the people I know who have MS wasn't that they felt that they felt the numbness because they didn't feel it. We're already one up that we can feel the numbness and the tingling. Right? They would just like be holding something and then it would be on the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're saying total numbness or lack of awareness because right. there's, there's no sensation. Yes. If that were the case. Yes. And maybe other symptoms as well, like visual problems, speech problems. It's course it's varied from person to person because mm-hmm. we're, we're very individual in how we do things but it's certainly reasonable to rule out the worst because once we've ruled out the worst we can be far more at ease mm-hmm. so if, if you have a strong intuition that you might have multiple sclerosis then follow up on it but if it's more like, oh, my gosh, what if, um, then you can just enjoy it. I moved a lot of frozen food, and it was, I was kind of in a panic about it because it had been stored in a freezer that actually wasn't on. And I didn't Uh-oh. notice, because I have this numbness and tingling yo in my fingers, right? I didn't notice that I was really harming myself. Goodness. And I'm looking at fingers, and they're like, you know, going from like bright red to like dead white. And I'm thinking, frostbite, they're going to have to be amputated. Because that's how our minds work. Our minds always give us first the worst possibility. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I was, I was in a panic, like, oh, God, no. I mean, not to disrespect people who have it, but I was like, oh, man. Oh, whoa, this is the worst that could happen. And then after that, it's all like, oh, it's better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to have at least two good health scares a year, I think. All right, I like that. <laughs> Keep or you on your toes. you're not alive, right? Keep you on your toes, exactly. <laughs> so, again, and I, it seems to me more and more important to talk about this. What we're doing here is we're saying that um, if you were to go to modern medicine, they would test you for various things to see whether or not you measured up. And if you did, they would tell you that these symptoms are all in your head and they're not physical. And if you didn't measure up, they would put you on the drugs that would fix you. And what I'm saying is do take care of yourself. Due diligence. If you think something's going on, don't deny it. Meanwhile, you have a lot more avenues to make yourself healthy than they do to cure you. Yes. And if your two health scares a year each time <laughs> make you adopt some healthier thing in your life, how perfect. Yeah. That's that's true. You clean up your diet right away when you're terrified you're sick, right? Exactly, right? And then, oh, you know, maybe I need to do Tai Chi, fingers and toes, right? Tai Chi is all about fingers and toes. Your peripheries are calling you. That's great. I should check that out. Yeah. Maybe revive Tai Chi style that suits you. There's a lot of different ones. So if you don't like the first Tai Chi or if you don't like that at all, Qigong, the mother of Tai Chi, mm-hmm. which in some respects is far easier. And again, mm-hmm. it is you know, very much focused on being in your feet and then moving the energy all the way up through your fingertips. Now, is it common for when you have this in your feet to to feel that things are burdensome like socks and boots and heavy blankets all of a sudden are bothersome? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some some hypersensitivity going on, right? Mm-hmm. And when you hike, you get like a warm feeling, a slight friction warming feeling on your feet. It's, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. And, of course... The herb that's most associated with peripheral neuropathy is Hypericum perforatum. And I'm trying to remember what that was in my in my mental herbal. St. John's Wort, St. John's Wort. Uh-huh, right. Right. I just read that somewhere. The tincture of those beautiful yellow flowers makes that stunning red tincture. Mm-hmm. And I take at least a dropper full every day. It's good for so many things. It's 
good for so many things, but especially to help me maintain the sensation that I have in my right hand, which is important to me. <laughs> if you're right dominant, I would imagine so. Are you? Right. Yeah, well, uh, you know, when I, after, in my, the months of my early healing, I couldn't hold a pen or really, you know, I didn't have any grip strength at all. It was, mm. And partly because I had, had so little sensation, but, you know, physical therapy and working with herbs and, and Tai Chi and Qi Kung and just, you know, focusing the energy there, right? I find um, that our bodies want to respond to this kind of thing. They want to be given effective avenues where they can um, have everything that they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something for your body to engage with um, energetically. Yeah. And in addition to your fear. Because the fear, while well, it's an honest response, interferes with the plan, <laughs> as someone called it to me. She said, you, you are imbued with a perfect plan, and if you won't interfere with it, you will express it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, fear makes you freeze up. So, so we can certainly feel it, but we don't want to indulge it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, that sounds great. Yeah, energy work. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else? Um, I think that's it for tonight. But All right. That was, that was Thank great, you so much for asking. Green blessings. <laughs> Green blessings. Have a great night. You do. All right. And we've got two hands that are raised in the queue. If you've got a question for Susan tonight, please press one so that you can add your hand to that. And our next caller has dialed in from the 360 area. In the 360, you are live with Susan. Hello. Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. Good evening. Hi. 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 I am interested in making some black salve, and I didn't know if you had a good recipe for that, something I can make at home. Well, there's a couple of different black salves. The kind of classic or original black salve is pine resin, which gets black, right? Right. And it's added usually to something like lard, but sometimes bear fat as well. And okay. it, it's, you could think of it as pre-propolis. It's, okay. um, the bees harvest sap from pine trees and other trees to make propolis. The pine sap is very antibacterial. Mm-hmm. I am looking to see if there is a black 
says in the breast book, and there is not. There's red clover tar, which is a mm. another staff that has been called black salve, and it was uh, created by Dr. Samuel Thompson. You take fresh red clover blossoms, cover them with water, cook them in a double boiler for an hour, squeeze the liquid out of the blossoms, and then add fresh blossoms. Cook for another hour. Squeeze the liquid out of them. Then, over a low heat, reduce the red clover liquid to a thick, tar-like juice, which will take many, many hours. Spread your red clover tar on a gauze pad for applying. That sounds good. Yeah, repeat at least twice a day. Rinse the area with dandelion tincture between applications. Okay. Um, that helps a lot. Oh, good. I think there. Oh, here is there is a black wing that I knew there was. Why isn't it in the index? All right. Okay. This in the breastbook. In the breastbook on page three or four. In the breastbook. Okay. Yeah. It has chaparral and red clover and comfrey root and plantain and poke root and chickweed and mullein leaves of flowers. Oh, right, right, right. And then you prepare all these infused herbal oils, and then you add pine tar. Uh, of course. Which is what makes it black. The mullein yeah. would probably make it black, too, and the chaparral. They're pretty dark. But, yeah, there's the mm-hmm. whole complicated, you know, one part of each one of those. Right, and you have to turn them into oils, and it says you don't have to have them all, just as many as you can get. Okay, great. So, well, I don't have the breastbook, but I'll have to get that. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's chaparral, red clover, comfrey root, plantain, poke root, chickweed, mullein leaves, or flowers. Are your choices. So kind of like the red clover tar that we read about and kind of like Mm -hmm. where we started with pine tar, Mm -hmm. which is really kind of, you know, the the most active thing in there. But we like to putter around and make potions, and ointments are good good places for people to make potions. Yeah, you know we would when uh, Gretchen was uh, Gretchen Gould was do, doing uh, her uh, was a holy grease. Um, she would take the apprentices down into the basement, which was where her apothecary was, because it was cool. There's so dark, cool storage for the oils, and she would say, you know, so. What do you want to make a salve for? And they would say, oh, well, the, the apprentice would say, for this, for this. And she would say, say, okay, this herb and this herb and this herb. And they would pour out a little of this and a little of that and mix it together and melt some beeswax into it. She'd have her own, like, you know, special um, it, for her salve. And uh, what fun that we have all of these things we can play with that way. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thanks for your question. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night.
All right. And if you have a question, please press one so that we can see your hand go up in the queue. Uh, at this time, we have three hands that have been raised and the next caller is dialed in from the 845 area code. From the 845, okay. you are live with Susan. Uh, Hello, Susan. Hi. Thank you, sir, Ellen. Um, hi, it's your neighbor, Diane, up the road. Hi, Diane. Hi. I'm not too happy tonight. I called you a week ago. I was so happy. What has changed in the ensuing week? Oh, I went to the appointment with the big important doctor. And what did the big important doctor say? They said my bones are no good in my foot. They said they couldn't recommend any intervention whatsoever. Because of the poor quality of your bones. Yeah, and I just thought that was such an unacceptable response. Mm. Mm. And I was like, well, what about this? And what about that? And uh, she said, well, she wished she knew more about this. And she wished she knew more about that. And I said, but there's these places that make new bone and they make new tissue and they make new collagen and everything. And she looked me in the face like I was a square peg in a round hole. I don't even know what that means, but you know what I mean. Yes, I do, and I can tell you what that means, too. Yeah, and she said, I don't think that's for humans. And I almost lost my fucking mind. She, what did she say? I don't think that's what? She said, I don't think uh-huh. that is for humans. Oh, that she thinks that that's for animals. Well, I wasn't going to ask her because obviously that's what she was inferring. And meanwhile, like my friend is... Well, wait, wait, wait a second. I think what she's saying is, if if I may interject here, that yeah. that hasn't been done with human beings at this point. Thank you for saying that. I believe that's what she means. I don't follow I, I know, that I, research I know. closely enough to know. I know uh, what I, you're I know. talking about. And there's I, certainly, I know. you know... A lot of hope about it, but moving said, it from animal research to human more. research, it's a giant step. And okay. keep pursuing it. You might find somebody who's will. You know, if you're willing to take a risk, there might be somebody else who's willing to take a risk. Here's the thing. I learned about this because a friend of mine 
who was hurt 30 years ago in a car accident, had their leg almost severed, and they were able to manage keeping it for the last 20 years. And um, they had to keep getting a bigger and bigger and bigger platform on their shoe till it was finally like eight inches. And then they got a new bone. And it was grown in a laboratory. And he just happens to work for scientific products, which grows bone and collagen and tissue for human parts. So I was trying to tell the doctor this. And uh, rather than her saying, like, you know, I'm sorry, you're just too poor for us. Because um, <laughs> that's really well, that the was thing. Next thing. That was the next thing I was going to say. Thank you, Susan. There's, there were certainly times in my in my pursuit of healing my indolent wound where I said, "Well, what about this?" And she would say, "In let, your in your let in your back, what they're willing to donate because your insurance won't cover well, it." Well, what about how is your back doing? By the way, your indolent wound, your my, my indolent wound get- is indolent. <laughs> and I am very no, blessed. This, this can't go on like this. Well, what well, about yes, the, uh, it has, it's it's just part of me now, you know. And I that's why I, I don't know. even have a bandage on it. I said, you know, look, if you're going to act this way, toughen up, toughen up, because I need a busy, active life. I know what this means, though, and you do too, and. So, what it means is, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that through all of this, I have such um, a thriving terror, such a healthy soil that I exist in, that I don't get infections. Infections? Right, I haven't had bladder infections or vaginal oh, infections or ear infections or throat infections or any infections throughout this Well, you're whole. just like me. Oh, really? You're infectious. Yeah, I'm really, really <laughs> healthy except for, except for what wasn't. And so you too. So keep pursuing it. You know specifically where you can get what you want. These places donate. It's part of what they do. Find out how you can apply for them to donate bone for you. Ah, forget about that. Okay. You know what? I'm more worried about you. I want to know about your back and why you're not using the B propolis and how is the going? Honey, a honey collagen on a daily basis. Yeah, the, and again, the collagen. Are, yeah. Let me say, this wound started out three inches deep. It's that now is so less bad. Than, it's now less than a quarter of an inch deep. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Oh my. Well, ha hoo hoo ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. That's you nice. know, it's indolent. It's slow to heal. The tissue is very damaged by the radiation therapy. Um, but that's, that's why, you know, incredible that, that you that's can why report I don't need to have that. a bandage because it's more kind of like a scrape or a, at its worst, it looks a little like an ulcer. 
Well, you know when, what? They told me. When, when like, at my like this weekend, that when I worked not, really hard in the barn and then I went and raked right. up leaves and, you know, squatted right. and stood up and rolled around on the don't, ground don't and did all that, that stuff, you know. Then right. the wound says, oh, 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 oh. We like you. We like you. We like you. Yeah. Well, no, not exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, it did. How often could you be so close to, like, hurrah? Right. Uh, well, they uh, told me last year I might lose my foot, and this year they said, no, but you won't walk again. And well, I just about ran out of the office. I just about ran out of there with that thought, like, ha, 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 ha. Ah, ha, 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 ha. You were wrong once before. Let's see if you're wrong again. You know, I pulled into the parking lot like about 200 feet above the entrance. And the wheelchair came out and he said, let's get the brakes on, blah, 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 blah. And I got into it. And all of a sudden, I just went sailing 200 feet all the way down to the building. And it was oh. like sailing. It was like sailing. I felt like a burgly fine, nothing wrong. It was the oddest feeling in the world. And I thought, what could this mean? Like, this can't be true. Like, there's no way that's going to happen like that. I, I thought, am I high? Am I tripping? Am I, you know, all kinds of crazy? Like, how could that be so nice and smooth and normal? But I find you that way, Susan. And I thank you for saying all those things you did say about consider this and consider that, and I have and I have and I have. And I will and I will and I will. But all in all, there's something magic about you that is just... Unspeakable. It's there's no words. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you are welcome. Good night. Good night. Good night. I love you. Good night. Love you too. Bless you. All right. And uh we have two callers that have pressed one to let us know that they have a question. And the next is dialed in from the eight four five area code. From the eight four five, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. My name's Rita. I live in Ulster County. And I have uh, three questions. Oh, I've been following your books and your um, newsletters for decades. I'm a long-time fan. I have a question about plaque in the arteries. I don't seem to be able to find any information on how to uh, uh, combat that. Um, high cholesterol. I would rather not take drugs. And right now I'm dealing with long-term COVID symptoms, bronchial and fatigue. Those are my three questions. Okay. Are they related? So, okay. I'll talk to you about these things. But I also want to let you know that at wisewomanschool.com, I have a three-part healthy heart course. And the reason that it's three parts is because you can just take the cholesterol part. Okay. 
and you don't have to take the other parts if you don't want to. Well, so I that I so I divided it up because some people are just concerned about high blood pressure and some are just concerned about high cholesterol and some are concerned about you know heart attack and stroke and and coronary artery disease. Yeah. So it's in three segments, although they interrelate. And that's at wisewomanschool.com. My daughter and I just finished filming a course which will be at the school when it's put together pretty uh, on dealing with long COVID. Great. There's so many of us so there, here. So there will be those resources available to you. Meanwhile. Yeah. Um, one of the real difficulties of dealing with post-viral syndromes is exhaustion and malaise. Yes. I could fall asleep right now. <laughs> exactly. And we know that inflammation is pretty much causing that, and that one of the best non-drug ways to deal with the inflammation is to exercise, but you're too tired to exercise. And if you do exercise, you get more tired. So it's really daunting. So my idea is breathing exercises. And this is especially important if your lungs have been affected. Yes, they are, big time. I also have lupus, by the way. Mm -hmm. And so far as... My experience is post-viral syndromes and autoimmune syndromes are very similar. Yes. So I divided the course into the anti-inflammatory foods and the anti-inflammatory herbs, the herbs that are good for the immune system, herbs that are good for the nervous system, herbs that are good for the heart, herbs that are good for the lungs. Okay. And, you know, in my closing video, I said, um, perhaps you're feeling disappointed that I haven't said, okay, here's the protocol. If you have long COVID, you do this and you do this and you do this. You take this herb and this much of this herb. And I said, but I don't think that that's how herbs work. I think that herbs work by forming relationships with us. Yes. And that if you have lung symptoms, pectoral symptoms, pulmonary symptoms, um, choose from among these herbs that I'm talking about here, uh, one that is easy for you to get, grows nearby you, um, whose flavor you like. um, Be allied to the plant. So mullen is a great favorite with us for lungs and for healthy lungs. And we make a mullen infusion by weighing out one ounce of dried mullen into a quart jar, filling it to the top of the boiling water, letting it sit overnight, and then taking that brew, straining it through a cloth, because mullen's quite hairy and you don't want that. And that's a mullen infusion. And you can um, add some chai spice to it and warm it a little bit with the chai spice if you want it to be like chai and add milk with or without the chai spice Mm -hmm. to make a mullen milk. Milk is one of the great healers of the lungs. Think about Heidi. 
the I, best milk you can get. What is your favorite milk? What milk do you like? What milk can you get hold of? What milk is comes from happy animals who are taken care of by people who love them? That, to me, is more important than what animal it is. I think of milk as the original herbal medicine. You're great animal, whether it's a cow or a goat or a reindeer, whatever it is, your grazing animal eats the herbs. And if they free graze, I watch the goats. They eat different herbs at different times. And so I know that that milk is like a herbal elixir that I'm getting, which is uniquely adjusted to the season and the time in my body. And you prefer that over plant-based milk, like almond milk? and Absolutely. I did not know that. Okay. Absolutely. As far as I'm concerned, plant-based liquid isn't milk. I understand they got the legal right to call it milk. But as far as I'm concerned, milk comes from mammary glands, and plants don't have them. Okay. And would a health food store have the kind of milk you're referring to? Oh, my local supermarket has it. Hannaford's? Hannaford's? Yes, you can get organic pasture-raised milk at Hannaford's. Okay, I was just there today. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, they're, you know, organic pasture-fed animals have... become well-known for the healthy benefits of their meat, their milk, their cheese. Okay. One of the, to me, most interesting things is the balance between omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, or not even really the balance, but the the dance between them. Uh-huh. In, in indigenous diets, there's one omega-3 for every one or two omega-6s. In plant-based milks, there's one omega-3 for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of omega-6s. In what I'm going to call real milk from an actual animal that's on a pasture, the ratio is usually one-to-one. Now, recent studies looking at thousands of people to see if there was any difference between omega-3 fatty acids ingested as omega-3s, which means in animal milk, right, Mm -hmm. Um, or fish, um, as opposed to omega-3s that can be made from plant Sources, in other words, there's constituents of plants that your body can turn into omega-3s. What they found in following these thousands of people for quite a long while was that that didn't actually happen with the plant-based stuff. Okay. But the health benefits from omega-3 pretty much were restricted to getting them from animal-based sources. Okay. Most, imp- most importantly, fish. But again, they're pasture-raised animals and they're 
milk and cheese and yogurt. All right, I will follow exactly what you said, and I will. I'm looking forward to your long-term COVID. Thank you, thank you. It'll take us you know, a little while to get it spruced up, but we'll get it to there. And right now, it's just the raw footage that we've done. And um, then, did you also say something about your heart? Um, just the pl- I'm concerned about the plaque in my arteries. You're concerned about the plaque in your arteries, and you know that there's plaque in your arteries because of an angiogram? Uh, Yeah, they ran some tests. And it said mild plaque, so I I really don't want to wait till it gets accelerated. Uh Uh So there's a a large number of things to do to counter cholesterol. And uh, my book... Abundantly well. One of the sections that I like the most. I like the whole book, I will admit. But part that just pleases me so much is the um, step five, which is pharmaceutical medicine. And I have page, um, facing pages of herbs and drugs for different problems. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we have it for um, cholesterol-lowering drugs, heart-healthy alternatives. There are many foods that lower and reduce cholesterol significantly. And I put them for you in the appendix. And here they are. Almonds, apples, avocados, beans, peas, and lentils, carrots, dark chocolate, cocoa powder, cinnamon, cooked leafy greens, fatty fish, garlic, hibiscus infusion, nourishing herbal infusions, nuts, olive oil, oranges, pears, roots, mushrooms, strawberries, tea, green tea. You can't do better for yourself than to get a good green tea habit going. Two to five cups of green tea a day reduces LDL cholesterol 11% and total cholesterol by about 6.5% after three weeks. Right. Hawthorne, linden, shiitake, ginseng, cottonopsis, and of course... Regular exercise. I do, as much as I can every day. And this book you're referring to is, is entitled Abundantly Well. Abundantly Well. It's my my most recent book, book. But not that one. So I can get that right through the Wise Woman publishing thing? Your Wise Woman Bookshop, you got it, yes. Okay, I will do that. All right. All right. Thank you. You're so, so welcome. Green blessings. Good night. You too. Good night. All right, and if you have a question for Susan this evening, please let us know by pressing 1, and we'll see your hand go up in the queue. This time we have one caller that has raised their hand, and you are dialed in from the 215 area code. From the 215, you are live with Susan. I had a clinical herbalist give me a hypericum salve, and she mentioned to me that in some people it could cause 
um, issues sleeping or insomnia. And I didn't use it right away. And what she said left my mind. And I started using it, and I do think that that happened. Does that sound? Can you tell, can you tell me about this sass? Um, what does it look like? What's in it? Well, I don't know. Um, the hypericum, and then I I would think I don't know. It's probably a combination of oil. Um, I'm not really sure, but I can ask. And what does it look like? What color is it? What does it smell like? Um, it's like a dark yellow. Hypericum is a really stunning red. Hypericum products are red. Okay. So I'm not sure um, what you're actually what you've actually been given, or how much hypericum there actually is in it. Okay. So if you take hypericum flowers and put it in an oil, the oil turns ruby red. Not pink, red. And if you then thicken that with beeswax, which is kind of yellowish, you will mm-hmm. get a salve that looks a little more toward an orangey red because of the okay. color of the beeswax, right? Yeah, I'm looking at it now, mm-hmm. and it looks like a dark beeswax and it smells like beeswax. So perhaps you're having a reaction to the beeswax, and there's there's not enough hypericum in there to make much of a difference. Would you mind telling me what you're using the salve for? Nerve pain. I very strongly prefer the oil without beeswax whenever there's nerve pain. Any hypericum product should be red. Okay. So I'm not sure who made this product or um, it's not labeled with the ingredients. Uh, it just says St. John's Wort Sav, but so the herbalist made it. I see. So where could I get good man, Good manufacturing uh, standards require mm-hmm. that any product given to someone else should have a list of the ingredients, a list of the ingredients, and a batch number. So um, first of all, I'm going to get up on my soapbox here for a moment. Um, it is unethical to advise someone to take something and then sell it. I know Mm -hmm. that lots and lots of people do it, but it doesn't make it less unethical. Mm -hmm. It's even to me pushing the line to tell somebody to do something and then give it to them. Mm -hmm. So we have to right away question what's going on. And then if we are sold or given something that does not even meet the minimum standards, 
of saying what's in it and giving a date and a batch number, then we really have to question what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. And please do exactly as you've done. If you have a problem with anything, stop using it. Can hypericum cause sleeplessness? Never in a million years. Huh. I'm glad I called and asked. <laughs> I have just spent the past months reading from book after book after book out loud for the conference about Hypericum. And not once have I ever seen a reference to sleeplessness. Interesting. Okay. So that's that again makes me think, what else did she put in there? Right. Right. If there's <laughs> if she's not willing to tell you, well there's no way for us to know. Right, right. Right and in the future, do please hold people accountable, right? You deserve to know what's in anything you are consuming, and if you're putting something on your skin, you're consuming it, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. And yeah. I have another question um, in terms of, Screening regarding getting a colonoscopy. I found 51. I haven't done that. I'm I'm not sure. Well, my take on it is, if you are eating a healthy diet, then you can probably do a fecal occult blood sample and only do a colonoscopy if there appears to be something wrong when you do that. Okay. The difficulty that I have with colonoscopies is many fold, in fact. Um, first of all, uh, they have admitted that it usually causes bleeding to the intestines 90% of the time. So it's very traumatic. It's a very traumatic thing to have mm-hmm. done to you. And the preparation um, is very disturbing to your gut and your gut flora. Mm-hmm. And my m- mother died of colon cancer, and she had regular colonoscopies because her cancer was outside her colon. Mm. Is a fecal occult um blood sample blood. like like a like a coligard? That might be a brand name. It's basically um a swab and you put some of your feces on the swab and you send it off to a lab. Okay brand name the Cologuard type version of that mm-hmm. before. I felt much better about that. But then I was told that, you know, the gold standard is the procedure and if there are polyps they can get them, you know, while they're in there and it's all absolutely true. 
But that doesn't mean that an invasive procedure is healthy. Mm-hmm. So this is something that is important to me, which is if I am a healthy individual and you are suggesting that I have some kind of test to see if I have a disease, the treatment of which will cause me to be unhealthy, will the test also cause harm to my health? Because if you have colon cancer, the treatment will make you unhealthy, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least injure your health. It's not permanent. I'm not saying it's permanent in any way at all, but it's injurious. So do we want to participate in a test that isn't going to add to our health? Barbara Ehrenreich, in her book, Natural Causes, which is subtitled, Killing Ourselves to Live Longer, takes this on very squarely. Does it far more justice than I can in a short phone conversation to say that while tests can be useful, invasive, harmful tests on healthy people generally aren't. Mm-hmm. Does it mean it isn't their gold standard? It is their gold standard. I'm not saying it isn't their gold standard. But what else do you do that's their gold standard? Are you the usual person that they see? Do you eat a standard American diet? If you don't eat a standard American diet, then maybe the standard American treatment isn't appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. It isn't really something I wanted to pursue. Good. Just say no. Good. All right. Thanks very much. Green blessings. Good night. All right. And at this time, I don't see any hands that have been raised, but I will remind everyone, if you have a question and would like to, oh, here we go. We've got a hand from the 352 that has pressed one. From the 352, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Carol from Nashville. How are you doing? I'm really enjoying the flowers. How about you? I am really enjoying the flowers. Actually, this year, my attention has been drawn to the life cycle of the dandelion. It's been fun. How it, you know, it goes away in the sun, you know, rains, it rains, and then it shines, and then you have the moon, and the stars. It's just good. But I wanted to talk to you about Shepherd's Purse. I had called the other week about it. Yes. And um, at the risk of sounding like I'm trying to be controversial or confrontational, I just wanted to ask you a few things that I found in Greaves Herbal. Yes. Yeah. So when they talk about a their definition of a fluid extract, 
I mean, you know, when she said, you know, a medicine, the whole plant is employed, dried, and administered in infusion and in fluid extract. Parts used. And then, so that, I was interested in this, but you didn't and seem to give it a right ask because if they don't specify what that fluid extract is, we don't really have any way of knowing. Often fluid extracts are what we would call a tincture. Or decoction, maybe, but not. A food extraction would probably be in some form of... No, they say decoction if they mean decoction. Okay, cool. Okay, then it says here, when dried and infused, it yields a tea which is still considered by herbalists one of the best specifics for stopping hemorrhages of all kinds of the stomach, the lungs, the uterus, and more specifically, bleeding from the kidneys. And so... You said the other day, because I was asking about it being dried. And I was, you know, and the, I just was curious, like, mm-hmm. what, what, how can we discuss so, that a little bit? So you're reading from Maud Greaves. Yes. What was Maud Greaves' experience with herbs? Well, certainly not to the extent that all these books have been written. So, um, so far as I understand it, and I could be wrong, Maud Greaves wrote a modern herbal by gathering up all the herbals that she could get her hands on and cobbling them together. Okay. In in other words, we're rather used today to people writing books about herbs, referencing their own observations, their own experiences, as well as perhaps scientific study. And what Maud Greaves did was to collect all of the perceived knowledge, some of which was firsthand, but much of which wasn't. Okay. Case in point of how this can very rapidly get out of hand. Over the past what do you mean by that? What do you mean by past, very rapidly get out of hand? I'm not sure what you meant by that. Over the past 25 years, the idea that lemon balm is an antiviral has grown up. This started with a scientific study finding that lemon balm in oil applied to a, a genital herpes sore would kill the virus there. But it's only topically, it's not internally. But someone misread it and wrote that it was an antiviral in a book. That idea was then picked up and put in another book. Now we have a third author who says, well, it must be true, two other authors have said it. And you can find it in dozens of books now, although it's not true. <laughs> so I'm, I am relating to you the experiences of at least two generations that I've known of midwives who have tried Shepherd's Purse in various forms and for stopping bleeding as far as they're concerned, only tincture of the fresh plant. And that has been my experience as well. And, and okay, truth be told that I listen all the time and I have to work hard at thinking of a question because I 
you know, I I I, I come from the same line you do. Like I I don't know. I can hardly you know. Like I know we agree on everything. I just want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> How about, I'll go with the green verbal. I'll try to formulate a question because I've been like, <laughs> okay, right. you know, I'm so happy that Maud Greaves existed. She's you know always been a, a, a books that I like to look in and. Yeah. But I also bear in mind that the early books that I learned from were written by people who had little or no direct experience with what they were writing about. (laughs) Alma Hutchins, too. And I always say the frontispiece says it all. It's a picture of Alma, you know, with a book. Uh, that's what I mean. You drag around these right. books. Right. Like, okay. Right. It's good. And she, you know, she it's makes like Tom Brown. I'm like, oh, I got, I got the Tom Brown it. books. I'll, I'll get in here and I'll ask her something. Yeah, but yes. I, I just, uh, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. But the secret teachings of plants. But I listen. I, I, I call in. I want to find. Yeah. But I don't call well, in all the time because I don't want to take up that much space because I'm really just calling to harass you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, isn't that what what keeps us um, invigorated? Right to to be willing to uh, be take take the effort to be bothered. I know it's pretty cool of you. So I had a, a, well, you know, so an old an older friend of mine was complaining that um, their serenity. Is, was being disturbed because someone who lives in their house has gotten a puppy, and if oh. they can't do this and they can't do that, oh, that puppy! Be, I'd rather have a child. I'd rather get a foster a child than puppy a dog. in the house. And all the time, <laughs> I mean, I have real empathy and sympathy for them. It is very disturbing. Puppies are awful. <laughs> it doesn't and last forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it makes you more vigorous. <laughs> you got it. It really does. Like it really does. If you can just, just back up for a little while, that all your routines have just been snafu'd, right? <laughs> and it'll make you live a little bit longer. Well, I, well that's what I think. <laughs> I've well, perhaps, well, I'm perhaps I'm just a little bit happier. <laughs> right. It's true, though, because I mean, take care of a goldfish. It's like the goldfish has a story. It's got a beginning, a story, and an end. Yes. But, but I've had a really interesting week. I thought I'd, uh, I've had some significant deaths this year, and the, the father of all of my children died last week. And oh. my my children, and like story medicine has been my story this week. Oh it's like, wow, God, man, the story that we all tell—we have a beginning and an end and all that. But he wasn't in my life, but in only like four of my hundred children. I'm just going to use that number ambiguously because it's above five. Like the way they put it on on the Facebook and on the Facebook, I feel like a retard. Uh, <laughs> you know, like all the children, there was a really heavy situation and from a heart attack. But his story, his whole life was, I'm sick, I'm dying. And I was like, what? and now the story ends. And it, I sound so heartless, and I hate being heartless, but I'm not. I'm just saying. Mhm. 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 Anyway, Stephen Levine tells a story about working in hospice, and 
that they had a woman who came and spent, I think, like the maximum amount of time, and then left, left and they discovered that she really wasn't truly that sick at all. And some of the people were really, really upset. And they talked about, you know, really, is it more meaningful to give to someone who's going to die than to someone who's not going to die? Is that really, is that really what you're saying? That like, that you got ripped off by someone because they weren't dying? I know, right? It is such a flip. Oh, what is the word? You know, run, <laughs> <laughs> run. <laughs> Granted, you have to, you know, like, where is your head that you, like, go to hospice and say, you know, I'm dying, or even that you somehow, you know, obviously this is before all electronic records and computers and stuff. You probably couldn't get away with it now, but I, I, always, always str- struck me of uh, Stephen Levine and his talking to people about, you know, what, what, is, what are you really saying here about you're upset with this woman? Oh, it's the dynamic. The younger people, like, he has not called the younger children. And so one of the other, anyways, you know, if you want to talk to him because he's dying now, you want to talk to him finally. But one of the children's like, well, does he want to talk to us? I mean, it has been 30 years or something, but never not reach, he's not reached out. It's always the responsibility of the child to reach the loser father. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a drag. You see movies about this stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. Single mother, like, what is it, Terradega Nights or something? With what it, Will Ferris is kind of slapstick, stupid, funny if you in the mood. But, you know, the loser father comes back when everybody's raised and forgive, forgive. And then, oh, my God, you're like, it's, I don't know, it pisses me off. But I have to stand strong. I'm sure you dig what I'm saying. Man, when I'm blind, I absolutely and totally <laughs> hear you. Yes, <laughs> you feel what I'm laying down, Susan. Because so I don't. I mean, like <clears throat> half the children grieve, and and all the Instagram stuff is like all the children surrounded him when only two of the hundred were there. I'm venting on. I had a shepherd's purse from the grieves. Well, I was reading an African. <laughs> I was reading an African tale. It was actually kind of a horror story, African horror story. It was characterized as a horror story. It's not that I'm saying it is. It was supposed to be a horror story. And it starts out with the wealthiest man in the village giving a parade with his 10 wives and his 112 children. Yeah, I mean, that comes to mind. There's there's several situations currently come to mind. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. the Grand Poobah, like like the Benoin God. There you go. Ah, but it's the, you know. Anyways, yes. Delusion. <laughs> and then they say. Anyway, there I weren't a hundred there in the picture. What did you use this on a podcast? I've been listening. And we're like, the emperor's not wearing any clothes like Hans Christian. Like, I am not the only one that knows that emperor has no clothes on. Swear to God. It cannot be me. I know I have issues, but I, truly I'm not the only one. <laughs> you are not. You are not. There, there are a lot of people. Pointing and giggling. This whole this whole lame papa coming back after 20 years, and now everybody needs to forget. Oh, let's just. Holy cow. We got to call some kind of feminazi, like Gloria Steinman or something cool. She's not, you know. <laughs> I just want to get on a railroad. 
but I won't. I'll just think it, and I'll call the Susan Wee podcast and vent, and I'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> and I'll be in a proper manner. <laughs> I can think anything I want. I don't have to execute everything I think. Hey, but listen, I, the other thing about the St. John's Ward, I think two years ago, I called you. I was up there in New York, and you said I was kind of wet. And I got that. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's wet. And I called, and I said something about it. You said it should be red, but it didn't turn red. But it did, like six months later. There it is. Wow. It really took some time. And it was an oil. Yeah. I am so glad to hear that. Well, I'm just going to dominate the time since I was the only caller calling in, but that was fun. Thank you for your time. (laughs) I was just going to ask, Sarah Ellen, does anyone else have their hand raised? Um, We do not have any other hands raised at this time. Good, so keep on talking. Yes, yay. Yeah, yeah. Because I went to Tanzania and it was socialism extraordinaire. And I love, I don't know what, where it was, but you talked about capitalism and the glory be there. Let's go there for a minute. What do you think of that thought? I I understand that capitalism means that the individual person can make a choice as to what they want to capitalize. That's why it's capitalism. You need capital to run a business. And most people need capital before they have income. And even when they have income, it's still good to have some capital. And they capitalize by selling pieces of the business is fortune, right. which are called shares. So if somebody says, hey, I have an idea, and this idea is that I could make like a personal computer, and I am going to sell shares um, to people who are willing to provide capital for this idea to come to pass. And the idea comes to pass, and the people who bought shares make a lot of money. Of course, capitalism doesn't always make you a lot of money. As a woman says, hey, I got this new blood test. They could go in all drugstores, and it'll tell you everything that's wrong with you. And who wants to invest in it? And lots of people invested in it. And they had shares, and it turns out, oh, it doesn't work at all. She was actually led astray by other people, or she was lying. It's hard to tell. And everybody lost their money. Oops, that's capitalism, too. Right, right. Right, we get a share. Right, it might go up or it might go down. Because people tend to like to make money, it pushes capitalized businesses to focus on making money. It's not a reflection on capitalism. And we have actually it's on taken the, value the ship of free exchange. I mean fair yes. exchange. Yes, we've actually taken the ship of capitalism and turned its course. Right? Because there are social investments now. There are That's investments right. where you say, here, I am going to capitalize what you are doing because it promotes good health or it promotes 
the ecology or something right this is what capitalism allows me to do to say i don't want to give my money to you because you're creating an industry of war and i don't want to support that well so susan like in california before the like Humboldt County, the, the little towns were popping up because of the capitalizing on the income they were making from moving a, you know, a cash crop, marijuana. And it's all these little community ice cream shops, libraries, you know, roads and first responders, like all these people from around Humboldt County, their money is going into reinvesting into their communities. You can only spend so much on yourself, especially if you're a community and you're a hippie. It's kind of like where you live there, up there in Woodstock. Up in Woodstock, yeah. The, the, you know, the, the generalized equal distribution of wealth or, like, unchecked capitalism, um, I think, is because I'm a capitalist. I would like to go there. In fact, I'd like to assume I vote for Ralph Nader every Every election. <laughs> <laughs> I was born and raised in D.C., and I stand unassociated. I vote for Ralph Nader. Do you know Genevieve Vaughn, her work, The Matriarchal Gift Economy? No, but I'm, I'm going to. There is a third choice, and that's the third choice. Genevieve Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N. All right, got it. Genevieve Vaughn. And she's been holding fairly regular online salons for people who are talking about, I believe she might have written a book, The Matriarchal Gift Economy. Okay. And she's still very active. My my menopause video was funded Uh, by Genevieve. uh, uh, Matriarchal Gift Economy, yeah. The Matriarchal... Gift, yes. the matriarchal gift economy. She says that we all are gifted by our mothers. Oh, and that the first economy that we all understand is being gifted. I'm having my, my daughter's having my eighth grandchild, and oh my goodness. But, in, but she's in the. You know, she's her child is going to be able to be have little private jets and stuff like this. So I don't know. We are gifted mothers, but she's not talking to me right now. But that's okay because that's all right. Everything's good. Susan, I, thank you. This was fun. I, I don't have to harass you with with mod briefs issues problems. I'm like formulating questions. You're like, wonderful. Questions. Thanks so much for calling in and talking with me. You're welcome. Let's see what Amber has to say to us tonight, eh? Yeah. Is Amber here, Sarah? She is. She is here. Amber Gray is an author, spiritual medium, and soul gardener who mentors spiritually seeking individuals to cultivate their intuition heal their heart, and connect with the divine. She has presented for such organizations as Edgar Casey's A.R.E. in Virginia Beach, the Sun Valley Wellness Festival, as well as the Afterlife Conference, 
for which she was a board member for eight years. Hmm. Austin, I guess Austin is part of Amber Gray. Austin will be teaching at the Omega Institute this coming June and leading a tour to Egypt in 2024. Her book, Soul Conversations, a medium reveals how to cultivate your intuition, heal your heart, and connect with the divine, is a recipient of two COVR medals, as well as receiving the gold medal from the Nautilus Book Awards. Austin developed the Divine Spark Cards for developing mediums to expand their trust, as well as grief counselors to inspire healing conversations with their clients. Her Divine Insight Cards assist anyone in connecting with their intuition. Designed for personal use or to supplement your holistic practice, these cards empower you to connect more deeply with your soul sense or to add a powerful tool to your lightworker toolbox. So welcome to the show, whoever you are, Amber or Austin. (laughs) Oh, Susan, my goodness, you were speaking about gifts from our mothers my yes. lord, girlfriend, you are a gift. You are a gift to all of us. Thank you. <laughs> your uh-huh. your knowledge base. You are you are a beautiful hostess. You hold such stunningly kind space for the people who call in. You listen with your heart. You're amazingly knowledgeable. I feel really good that you're on the planet. Like, you're, you're amazing. You have a new fan. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> I feel especially, I love, I love I feel especially complimented because I know you as a person who looks deeply into the insides of things. I do. And um, I love the fact that you gave me a new name. Um, I'm going to have to explore Amber Gray and find out what that journey is going to take me on. Right. Why did they call you Amber Gray? I know. (laughs) I have a new name. I've been fascinated. Um, yeah. Okay. So Austin it <laughs> so, um, is. Yes. Yes. Austin Wells it is. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. Straightening me out there. <laughs> oh. Well, you know so what? It sounds after, like I, you. I mean, and again, you, that you work in a multitude of different medias. That you've done cards. Did you absolutely. draw the cards? Um, so I started, um, I, I've, I, it, as a quick answer, just to make sure our time is best served, um, I have, I started reading with tarot cards like years and years and years ago. And then from that, I realized I didn't need the cards anymore. And then I just started receiving messages once my mediumship kicked in. Um, which was something I was aware of from a child. I just didn't have the right application for it until a little bit later. Um, and then, because much like you, you know, you, you listen to these beautiful souls who are um, arm wrestling issues in their lives and you want to be of service. So then I added, 
hypnotherapy and shamanism and remote viewing and life coaching and all so I'm always like you I'm a I'm a student I'm always learning the next thing that can be helpful to my clients um just because I I take it as a very very serious occupation to hold sacred space for people going through change which is all of us so what would you yeah. like to talk about tonight? Um, I was very moved by, uh, and thank you for the generosity of that question. Um, I was really moved by the last caller that you had about her situation with um, the death of someone and not being in communication. And I was, I was touched by her story because I felt um, I just wanted to add in addition to the conversation that was already in, in play. Um, I felt she was doing her children such a beautiful honor on a couple of notes. One in the fact that she's all a child needs is one parent who's reliable in order to survive in the world. They just need, and it's not just a parent, it's an authority figure. It's somebody, they just need someone they can model. Someone that, that they can look at and say, okay, they seem like they have figured out what this thing is about. Let me just imitate them until I figure it out on my own. So I loved her dedication to her children. I, I'm sure she, all 100 of them, um, she takes great care of. Uh, she also has a delicious sense of humor. And then the second part of it I was really drawn to is I'm also a certified grief counselor because I didn't anticipate, Susan, to be talking about death. So much, um, and we're all needing better language and deeper communication skills to be able to talk about death and transition right now, because we are—it's just systemic in in every part of our lives. So um, I'm not exactly sure where the natural conversation will take us, but I'm absolutely certain that that topic would be fruitful to explore because it brings in our humanity and also mutual expertise. Yes, death is one of the places where I started being attracted to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and attracted to learning with her and um, her, you know, really kind of tough attitude um, about death and about making sure that we honored it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's so interesting. So I've been a number of different conferences after life conferences, which sounds really funny, but um, we're having the conference before that point, um, obviously, but um, there's been <laughs> really beautiful research done <laughs> done to kind of further Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work. So for people that aren't aware of, of her work, she was really the first person who stepped inside of a clinical setting and said, you know, I'm noticing some patterns when people are in the dying process, and there seems to be different emotions and different, different things that people go through. What I'm grateful for is uh, people like who would be a fun guest for you to have um, my friend, Reverend Terry Daniel, um, who has, has studied grief profoundly. And she has realized, um, along with many other people in the grief arena, 
um, that there's so much more of a conversation than just the, the that kind of stages because the problem the 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 reason why there's been I think a need for more discovery about about grief and what it, we personally go through is I think with the Elizabeth Kubler Ross which is that there's just these five kind of stages you go through is people feel estranged from it because if they're not fitting into what's supposed to be normal with grief, they feel disenfranchised. And the, the one thing that I just want to really just underline, and you had work in hospice too, so you can speak to this as well, is grief is a completely different thing depending on who dies, uh, where you are in your life, uh, there's so many extraneous situations that affect how you respond to grief, but the most important thing is to allow it. It's it's not easy to allow it because it's not neat and orderly and controllable. You can't say to your grief, no, it's not. I'm going to put aside a half hour for you every morning. Yeah. And since it has absolutely no linear uh, journey, um, people can feel that. It, and I think, I think it's a result of our education system. But we focus very much on our education system on being right or being wrong. And I think if I was going to change anything in the world, I would remove that, that awareness in people and just make it be you. Just, just mm. authentically respond to things and don't worry about it being right or wrong or whether you're following the norm or whatever. And I think normal is a word that should be stricken too because I, what I love and what I notice in my sessions, because I, I really spend extraordinarily intimate time with people, mm. is... Um, every single person, no matter how they feel connected or disconnected from their lives, is extraordinary. Every person is such a beautiful distillation of a miracle of the universe. And yes. whether they're stepping into the fullness, right, the fullness of who they are is up to their own curiosity. It's up to their own um, willingness to be afraid and willingness to kind of step into the human adventure and be willing to try every single little plate that's on the table to figure out whether or not it works for you or not. I mean, at least it almost, it almost reminds me of that um, great scene in the Julia Roberts movie, Runaway Bride, where she's been in all these relationships and she's realized she becomes the person that she's with. And m many women are familiar with that because I think it's what we may have witnessed in our own moms in some capacity. So then, you know, we think we become like the other person and then that's, that's what a wife is supposed to be or that's, you know, whether it's a, whatever the relationship is. So she has a scene where she cooks all the different egg dishes that every single guy she ever was ever with liked to figure out what kind of egg dishes she likes because she all of a sudden goes, yeah, I hate this and I don't like that. And, and it's that authenticity, which, which really is, you know, and again, so grief, grief is, is paralyzing and difficult and thick, but it's also funny and magical and crazy and, and strange. Um, but it's yet another portal 
to invite us into a different discovery of who we are, who we've become, what's mm-hmm. important to us, mm-hmm. the meaning of love to, love to us and how it runs through our system. Mm-hmm. And like the gal that was talking about, you know, this disenfranchised father who the children really haven't had a relationship, that can be really confusing because you're thinking, well, I should tell him I love him, I guess, because he's dying. You know, there's just, it's, it gets complicated, but I think the most important thing is is the listening of yourself and just being that self awareness that I'm going through something. This is I, I instead of just rushing into my day or doing everything that I've done before, can I just take a couple of minutes and like you were suggesting with breathing exercises and just breathe and actually gift myself time to say, mm-hmm. how really am I today? Am I okay? Am I, you know, am I low in energy? Am I, where, what is my energy? Do I even feel my energy? And I think, mm-hmm. I think if you could, if people can look at, you know, life is different invitations to kind of explore the depth of their self and the degree to which they do that, the more healthy their relationships will be because then they have words to explain what they like and what they don't like with other people. I like these eggs. I don't like those eggs. I want to get back just yes. one step back. You know, I never got from Elizabeth that she thought that the stages went in any particular order. And in the time that I spent with her, she was very much devoted to dealing with denial. She really yeah. felt that the denial and the anger that the denial covered up the anger, mm-hmm. and that once we, the Life, Death, and Transition workshops really were just like big gatherings of over 100 people usually, dealing with their anger. And mm-hmm. it was really amazing to me to see what happened as she was able to move them past their denial and into actually being angry at the person who had died. And and what, talk about the authenticity of that person's soul. Mm -hmm. It was like this this, um, Mm -hmm. fog of the, I'm not supposed to be angry that they died. My grief exactly. is only supposed or, to be sadness. It isn't supposed to be anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, there's, and also grief, which you know so deeply, also percolates all of the levels of the relationship and the timeline of the relationship. So you're not grieving this moment solely. You're grieving every single moment that you've had with that person, good, bad, or indifferent. Yes. Yeah. So if there's been unspoken truths, oh, my Lord above, and that's a lot of times the anger isn't present at all. At all. But it takes, it just takes that, you know, and I love that you worked that profoundly with her. God, what a gift, woman. Oh, what an absolute. I mean, she's, she's just such a, what a power horse, you know, or powerhouse she she was. Um, and in such a necessary time, too, um, to just, you know, bring forth truth. And please know when I was um, talking about 
stages of grief, I have such deep respect for her work because I don't oh, think oh, there I would absolutely be know you know, that. And I also know, and it happens to every, every single one of us, when we die, our flexible ideas become solidified. <laughs> it always happens. Right, you're working with a living mm-hmm. person, they're like very much more casual about it, but boy, once they're dead, it's like, bang! So it's okay. So I've decided to devote the remaining 25 years or whatever I have left of my life to making sure that people understand there isn't a right way to do it. Yes. Hallelujah. There is simply no right way. Just do it. Hallelujah on that one. Right? And if you like what happened, do it again. And if you didn't like what happened, do it a different way. Mm -hmm. I think that... I, I love the comment that you said about people in the dying process, too, because we, we as not the person that's dying, we as the observers to the person in the dying process need to allow them to change and to be changed and altered by the experience that they're having mm. that we could not possibly understand. And mm. there are people who... I, th- I think we, we can sometimes do a disservice to ourselves if we stay absolutely stuck in the story of who that person has been to us. Mm. Because yes. we're disallowing, not only, not only are we putting kind of a tether to a moment in our past, which is really funny because as an energy, because um, I also studied energy medicine and all sorts of other modalities, you know, sometimes people with lower back issues are people who are kind of tethered to some stories. And it's so if you think of walking forward and you're being drawn to what's ahead of you, but imagine you had an invisible string that the story kind of tethered to part of your body. So you're trying to go forward, but there's resistance and a pulling from something in the past. That was always fascinating to me about that kind of idea. So I think the, the checking of not so much forgiveness, because that's really something we have to do on our own time, but the allowance for people to change and then the flexibility um, inherent in meeting them in a new moment instead of requiring that they stay the same person. I was walking walking down my road and a woman that I know a little approached me and burst into tears and said that her brother was dying and would likely be dead within a week or two. And I brought her inside to the healing room and I gave her something to drink and left her alone in the healing room and said, you can hit the table and you can scream and cry, whatever you need to do. And when she came back out, we sat on the stoop and I said to her, okay, is your brother dying? She said, yes, sob, sob, sob. And I said, look at me. I said, you want to help your brother? She said, yes, sob, sob, sob. I said, all right, then get yourself together because this is not going to help him <laughs> in the least. And she, her mouth fell up and she did not expect me to. Mm-hmm. You, had, you had your cathartic moment. Good. Now pull your sh- together yeah. and be there for your brother. Yes. You can grieve all you want when he's gone. Yeah. Mentioned... Right. No, I, my father's funeral, um, and I was dearly close to my father. Um, one of my father's clients arrived, and she had the the the. She won like the Oscar for the for the 
celebration of life party, she had more emotions going on than my entire family put together. And I, I understand the celebrations of life and those are, you know, a place for people to grieve and honestly they should be. But I think it was also really fascinating because in juxtaposition to where everybody else was, because we, we called it a celebration, not because we didn't want people to deny their grief, but we were really honoring all the contributions that he had brought to the world. Um, and then, you know, you have in a sense your own private grief, I guess, but it was, but it was, it was so true. And I love what you're saying about being there for people in the dying process. Um, I loved the fact I got to be with my mom in the dying process. I, for people who haven't experienced being with someone when they're dying, I think it's, first of all, I know on a soul level because of the mediumship that the soul who's dying has a great say if not a complete say in who's present, which is a very interesting little tidbit. <laughs> but <laughs> it can be someone that they have unfinished business with, or it can be someone who has the strength to hold the space for them to shift from breath to light. And that the glory and the honor of being present when someone's dying um, can seem just like the weirdest or the most difficult thing to imagine. And it is in lots of levels and you would know this, but on other levels, it's what the feeling of their soul when they've stepped out of the body, you know, and this is, this is not all death. So I'm talking about, you know, somebody who's having some sort of a, um, there's a process to their death. So you're aware of the fact that they're dying or they're in the hospice. Um, it is, it's such an amazement and such a, um, an honor to witness the space where their, their energy fills the room, but the body has been kind of um, left. And um, for easily, God, three or four hours after my mom died, you know, normally rigor mortis can start happening. My mom was so flexible. My mom was, I think, I, and I also know it assisted her because she had worries and fears about the dying process. And uh, she gave us signs while we were in the room because all of us got energetic pulses by holding her hand. I mean, it was just, it was incredible. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know I had that, you know, that moment in me because, um, you know, I, but it was, it was something that I will always feel is honestly one of the best moments my mom and I ever had was that. And that's kind of an odd thing to, to say, but it, it's what an honor. Yes. It was one of the realest moments that you had with your mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and it, when you've engaged in being present at birth or being present at death, you crave that realness. Mm-hmm. So there's a exquisite nonchalance to it almost. Mm-hmm. 
because it's other so world different between being alive and being dead and being born and dying. Mm-hmm. And so there's a great and intense, you know, you know it's, focus, it's, you know, laser-like focus, but at the same time, there's this this incredible whatever. I appreciate the fact that you verbally recognize um, the, you know, that there's not a lot of difference between being alive or dead. And um, I just want to kind of speak to that as a medium because, you know, my job is to be, allow my senses to be open to allow someone who no longer has a physical body to connect with someone with a body Mm. (laughs) and kind of be their lawyer, their, their voice box. Um, (laughs) And I can, so when I'm reading for someone, sometimes it's, you know, it took, it was a while before I could really ascertain whether or not I was talking to someone who was alive or someone that had passed because what I'm dealing with is their energy, their, the fullness of their soul. And on that level, there is no ending. It's just energy. So whether it has a home or it's roaming <laughs> um, is, is, is such a subtlety to perceive. But what's interesting is in communication, um, people who are living who sometimes may not have the capacity within their lifetime to be able to, um, like the woman and her, the husband that was dying, hopefully he has a beautiful moment to um, honor his children and honor his responsibilities if, if that's, you know, what's fruitful for his soul. Um, but sometimes they're, you know, the, on the soul level, the part of them that that is that, uh, that eternal element um, will come to me in a session and say the very things that the person's waiting for because it is their soul is aware of the fact that their homework hasn't gotten finished. So it's holding up the other person and all they really need is the acknowledgement that the person is aware that they're kind of being heinous, you know? And so that awareness and that accountability then gives the person receiving the reading who's consciously trying to move forward and is being self-aware and saying, I need some help. I need some guidance. Um, to be able to take the steps forward without constantly waiting for someone to maybe get around to apologize because you can just wait forever for some people. And some people do if you believe in past life and all that kind of juice. Austin, I could talk to you for much longer, but we're on a blog talk show and they're very fierce about shutting us down after half an hour. So what would you like (laughs) Two things. One, I want you to tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. First. Go ahead. Okay. Um, You can get in touch with me at my website, which is austinwells.com. That is A-U-S-T-Y-N-W-E-L-L-S.com. Great. That was easy. And you will find, you'll find, yes. Yes. And what will you find there? Uh, You'll find the classes I'm teaching. I have a class I'm teaching in upstate New York, which is your neck of the woods at at Omega this summer. And then the um, Egyptian trip is being announced probably in the next month officially on my website. But I have sessions. I have a membership. I work work with people in lots of capacities. Ah, Marvelous. 
And what would you like to leave in the hearts and the minds of your listeners tonight? That each, that you are valuable, that you are a miracle that is distilled in the physical form. There's not a single one like you in the world. And your responsibility, the gift that your mother has given you to come into this world is to shine that light of your soul and to be exactly who you are, not who everybody else wants you to be. And in that way, you serve this world and you will make this world better so you can make, you can make change just by being yourself. Oh, beautiful, beautiful images. Wonderful words. Thank you. <clears throat> I think that we are all reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. I want to thank you for the intuitive weaving that you have brought here tonight so that the order and the pattern takes on a special shimmer in the presence of someone who, like you, is able to weave across the worlds. Thank you for adding that to the healing cloak. And Sarah Ellen, oh my gosh, two weeks to go to the Hypericum Conference, St. Jones Ward. Yes, thank you for helping me restore herbal medicine to a grateful place as people's medicine. Good night and green blessings, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.